Good morning. My name is Gary. I'd like to welcome everybody out today. And uh, we are starting a new series today. In case you haven't looked at your bullet. Hey, Jeff Wolf, I just noticed you over there. Good to see you. Uh, we are starting a new series today. Tim just finished up an excellent series uh, entitled From Me to We. And uh, I started to listen to his lesson from last week and did not get to finish it. And Susan and I were out of town last week. We didn't get to hear it. Uh, but when I got home, I got the prayer request. Uh, as an elder here at the church, I get a copy of all of your prayer requests. And I noticed some really cool themes running through the prayer request. Did you notice that? I noticed three requests that kept coming up in people's prayer requests last week. One was for humility. The other was for to kill pride. I think those two kind of went together, didn't they? And the other was for courage. And like I said, I, 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 it motivated me to go back and say, I want to hear what Tim had to say. And I didn't end up finishing it. I got distracted. Because it was very cool to, to see you, your hearts respond to the Word of God in that way. And uh, if you got to miss that series, it's all available online. All of our sermons are available online, usually by about 5 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Uh, but Tim finished that up. And today we're beginning a new series. If you've noticed in your bulletins, it says Word Power. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be focusing on the Word of God for five weeks. And the power that's involved there, the way we respond to it, how we can uh, get more out of the Word of God and on a practical level in weeks to come. But you see, guys, the truth of the matter is, because we've, we've talked about this for, I don't know, two, three, maybe four years where we've t- I've talked about specifically where we look in, look in our Bibles, we look in our New Testaments, and what you see talked about is a power that you don't always see or feel as you go through your Christian life. Is that fair to say? I mean, you look at it and it's there. And if you look at this passage here in, in Acts chapter 19, in verse 20... This is what it says. It says, in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Guys, I, that, that is an awesome vision for the greater Alton church, is it not? We want the word of God, the word of the Lord to spread widely and to grow in power. I long for the greater Alton church to be known as a place where God's power is seen and displayed and experienced. That's my desire. We had a, uh, a little work, workshop a few weeks back here on Saturday morning that, uh, that a number of you folks came to to talk about our small groups and our small group meetings. And there was a phrase that we threw around that day that we'd heard from AA and 12-step programs. And it's the phrase is, the power, oh no, I'm sorry, not the power, the magic is in the meeting. And I use that word magic very loosely. Because guys, there should be magic when we get together as believers of Jesus. Did you know that? Okay, now let's take that word magic and replace it with power. You see, because when you, when you read in the New Testament about the believers getting together, there was this display of power. 
Alright, as we just read about in Acts 19, earlier in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4, the church was being persecuted. A couple of the apostles had been arrested, miraculously released from jail. They all got together to pray. And what happens at the end of their prayer? The building shook. I would love to see our building shake. Okay, we brag about this building being a uh, hurricane-proof building. And I can't, won't get into details about that. Guys, the building shook. Jesus told His followers before He died and before He resurrected and went to heaven, He goes, wherever two or more of you are gathered, I'm there. And I've been praying for three years. I want to understand that better. I mean, I don't, I'm not expecting Jesus to visibly manifest Himself in the back of the room. But He told them that for a reason. There's something significant to it. And I guarantee you, if you get together with two or three other Christians and you're focused on following the Lord and you're praying and Jesus shows up in some way, you're going to walk away going, there was some magic here tonight. And guys, I believe that's what we should be looking for. That's what we should be expecting. And guys, we're going to be talking about that over the next several weeks. And uh, today what we're going to be talking about... Guys, let me, let me just show you this. Another passage. It's in your notes there. I guess two passages. One's in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verses 4 through 5. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. By the way, that statement gives me incredible comfort. Okay? If the Apostle Paul says, I wasn't very good at talking, I don't have to be either. Anyway, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Okay, Second Timothy chapter three, guys. This is the this is the antithesis to what we just read about, and Paul is warning Timothy about what it's going to be like as time goes on, and he says, "But mark this: there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents." ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And guys, here he summarizes the whole thing and he says, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. Guys, do you see the contrast there? You see this power that's available and it's on display in the lives of those who are truly following Jesus, and then you have this warning about people who have a form of godliness, but deny its power. See, guys, I, I want to offer to you that if you want to experience the power of God in your life, 
you need to be digging into His Word in a very real and consistent way. And for the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, a wrong approach. That's what I get to talk about today. And next week, Mike is going to be talking about a right approach. We're going to be examining two characters from the Old Testament. Um, two characters from the Old Testament, a, a father and a son. I'm going to be talking about the son today. His name is Jehoiakim. Who's familiar with Jehoiakim? Some of you are. Okay. The father's name is Josiah. Who's familiar with Josiah? Eh, about the same. I figured more people would be familiar with Josiah. Josiah is the father. He was a good king of Judah. Jehoiakim was the son, and he was an evil king of Judah. Now guys, whenever we look at characters in the Old Testament, uh, I, I feel obligated to, to point out two passages of Scripture. They're not in your notes. You can write them down if you want and reference them later. The first one's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. The other is in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Both of those passages are referring to every, to the Old Testament. They're talking about the things that were written in the past. And it's given why they're written. It says they're written for, to teach us. They're written to encourage us. They're written to warn us also. And, uh, they're, they're te- to give us hope and to produce endurance. And guys, today as we look at this, we look at Jehoiakim, I believe the life of Jehoiakim, the story of his life, is a warning for us. Okay? It is a warning of how you can be. You see, Jehoiakim was a king over God's people. But he had a pattern of his life that was just was not good. In fact, the, the most popular story you have about Jehoiakim, most of you probably, are, when you raise your hand, if you were new about Jehoiakim, you're familiar with Jeremiah 36, correct? It's called Penknife Religion. How many of you all remember the Bible talk called Penknife Religion? All right, and we want to read some of that story here today, and then we want to we want to talk about. It. There's a lot more to Jehoiakim than just this, uh, but this is the main story. So, beginning in verse one of Jeremiah 36, this is what it says: In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord: Take a scroll and write on it. All the words I have spoken to you concerning Israel, Judah, and all the other nations from the time I began speaking to you in the reign of Josiah till now. Perhaps when the people of Judah hear about every disaster I plan to inflict on them, they will each turn from their wicked ways. Then I will forgive their wickedness and their sin." So Jeremiah does that, and he presents it to the people. And before long, the king's officials find out about this, and they want the king to hear it, so they take it to him. Picking back up in verse 21, it says, The king sent Jehudai to get the scroll, and Jehudai brought it from the room of Elishama the secretary and read it to the king and all the officials standing beside him. It was the ninth month. And the king was sitting in the winter apartment with a fire burning in the fire pot in front of him. 
Whenever Jehudai had read three or four columns of the scroll, the king cut them off with the scribe's knife and threw them into the firepot until the entire scroll was burned in the fire. The king and all his attendants who heard all these words showed no fear, nor did they tear their clothes. Even though Elnathan, Deliah, and Jamariah urged the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen to them. Instead, the king commanded Jeremiel, a son of the king, Sariah, son of Azariah, and Shelmiah, son of Abdeel, to arrest Barak the scribe and Jeremiah the prophet. But the Lord had hidden them. Is that just amazing? Is that just mind-boggling? I mean, the word, of the, the word of the Lord comes to them and He burns it. Years ago, we, we, I told you, we did these, these Bible talks and we called it Penknife Religion. And uh, the way that we, the Bible study was set up is we would ask people at the beginning of the study, what are some passages in the Bible you wish weren't there? Okay, and different leaders would do different things, but the but basic idea was when somebody would say, "Well, a young man would say, well, that part in Matthew five about looking after a woman with lust in his heart's the same as committing adultery." You know, I wish that wasn't in there. And so the leader would just take that page and tear it out. And I heard of one group that actually he had a little pot in front of him and he'd tear it out and he'd burn it. And it was crazy because while he was doing it, you know, there, there were guests here and they're like. <gasps> You're burning the Bible. You know? And it was just an illustration. I mean, there was just, there was just this incredulous response. Nobody would ever do that. Has everybody ever done that and admits to it? Yeah, I didn't like that part of the Bible. I tore it out. Okay? Or yeah, well, I took, I took the whole book of, uh, a revelation. I don't understand it, so I burned it. Okay? Because I, I want to be able to read it. I want to be able to understand it. Nobody admits to that. Nobody does that. But can I tell you something? I believe there's other ways that we can burn our Bibles. There's other ways that we can negate the Word of God. That we can neutralize the power of the Word of God in our life. And I believe we see these on display in Jehoiakim's life. You see, folks, here's the situation. Jehoiakim wasn't just a good guy having a bad day. Alright? He didn't just wake up on the, on the wrong side of the bed. He didn't just have, just have bad things happen to him the day before. What you see going on in Jeremiah 36 is the pattern and the direction of Jehoiakim's life. Next week, uh, Mike is going to be talking about Josiah. And guys, it, 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 I have, this whole series was brought about by my reading and studying about Josiah because I'm just, I don't, I don't know what he brought me there. But I was excited about it. And when I started reading it, the first thing, first thing that jumped out at me was the time it took for jo- Josiah is known as a reformer of the nation of Judah. He changed the nation. 
And probably, again, the most popular story that Mike's going to be talking about next week is when they're restoring the temple. They're, they're renovating it. And in the rubble, they find the scroll, the word of the Lord. And they bring it to Josiah, and he has the complete opposite response of, of his son. And he tears his clothes, and he's distressed, and he implements reforms within the nation of, of Judah to bring it back to God. Now what's crazy about this whole deal is that whole, that whole process started years before. The Bible tells us that he started seeking God. He set his heart to seeking the Lord. It was like six or ten years before. And then it was another few years before he restored the Passover feast. Guys, there's, there's this, he had a direction to his life. He set the direction for his life. Jehoiakim had a direction to his life also. And that's what we see the fruit of in Jeremiah 36. So guys, what we're going to talk about today is, uh, is just three things. Three other ways that I can neutralize the power of God's Word in my life. The first one is, I can neutralize the power of God's Word in my life when I pursue my desires. Okay, I pursue my desires. And when I say I pursue, I mean that's what you're all about. Okay, because all of us have desires and, and not all of them are wrong. Alright, not all of them are the, are the wrong thing to do. But in some situations when you pursue them, and that's your primary concern, is living your life for what you want. For what comes natural, easiest, most comfortable. That's what you get. Hold on just a minute here. I need to do that. Read this passage here in Jeremiah 22 with me. It says, Does it make you a king to have more and more cedar? Did not your father have food and drink? He did what was right and just, so all went well with him. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord. You see guys, what he's doing there is he's drawing a very clear contrast between Josiah and his son Jehoiakim, and it was this. Josiah, the father, his desires matched up with God's desires. Jehoiakim followed his own desires. And we're going to read a passage in a little bit. We're going to read more of this Jeremiah 22. It's not in your notes. You're free to look at it in your own Bible by your own self, though. But guys, that is, that is the difference there. Jehoiakim was interested in following his own desires. You'll see in your notes there uh, to see also Isaiah 58. And guys, in Isaiah 58... Uh, is a passage, it is the, uh, what do I want to say, the commentary on fasting. You want to know what God has to say about fasting? You look at Isaiah 58. 
you really want to understand and fast correctly before the Lord, you take a look at Isaiah 58. And in Isaiah 58, first of all, what he's doing is he, he condemns the way they're fasting. Alright? Because basically they're doing two things. They're going, hey, we're going through the motions here, God. We know you, you take note of people when they fast, so we're doing it. And we want you to do what we want. We want you to satisfy our desires. And not only that, that's the first thing they're doing. The second thing they're doing is they're going about their business doing what they want for the day. Okay, I'm paraphrasing this. I'm summarizing it. Again, I encourage you to go back and read it on your own. And God goes on to say, you want to know about what I want when you fast? And he goes on to say, again, I'll paraphrase it very briefly. He says, you need to spend your day being concerned with what I want. You need to be spend your day being about what I desire. And he talks about taking care of the oppressed and feeding the poor. And guys, that's a, you want to negate the Word of God. You want to neutralize the power of the Word of God in your life. All you have to do is be, get up every morning and focus on what you want, on what your desire is. You see guys, it's kind of a litmus test and an antidote all at the same time to this. If you want to know how serious you're approaching the Word of God and what your attitude towards the Word of God is, you need to ask yourself, how much you're concerned with doing the Lord's will. If that is the direction of your life, if you get up in the morning and you want to go through your day and you want to say, I want to do the Lord's will. And at the end of the day, you evaluate your day of what kind of day it was and you don't base it upon what good things happened to you or how much money you made or what good grades you got. You base it upon, did I do the will of God today? You see, guys, we're Americans and we're taught. We have rights. And we want to do things our own way. I've got a, a little story here. It's something happened. Uh, I've got a car wash story for you. Uh, I've told you folks before about uh, sifting through the dirt that comes out of the vacuums for change. And there is a considerable amount of change that comes out of the dirt in the vacuums that people vacuum up out of their cars. You know, it's just a few pennies to them, but when you start adding up everybody's pennies and nickels and dimes and quarters, it comes to a lot of money. Uh, I would say between the three car washes, there's well over $1,000 a year that comes out of the dirt in the vacuums. Well, two years ago, we opened a, a car wash down in Granite City. It had been closed down. We opened it back up. We put in new vacuums. And very quickly, we learned that this car wash is, is more in the middle of town than what we're used to. And uh, there's a there are more poor people who come through the lot. And we have multiple people who go through the dumpster uh, every morning. We come and all of our garbage cans have the lids taken off where people have taken the lid off and dug through the trash looking for something valuable uh, that they can do. And then they also open up the vacuums to get into the dirt to get the change out. And right after we opened this, I, I, I talked to one of the gentlemen. I said, hey, we don't mind you doing that. 
but can you please not make a mess? You know, because they pull the dirt off. Some will leave the door open and then the vacuum won't work. And uh, needless to say, after several months, it, it was continuing to be a mess, continuing to be a problem. So we put locks on these doors. Okay? Within two weeks, somebody had crazy glued the locks. Okay, I have an attendant to fix that problem. We went for several months with no problems. And then the locks started coming, showing up missing. They were cutting the locks off. And so after a few of them got cut off, we put a bigger lock on those ones that got cut off. And that worked for a few more months. And then about three weeks ago, we come in one day and they had cut the hasp that the lock goes through. Because it was thin. And so I, I told my guys, look, I'm just tired of this. They clearly think this is their own. I said, here's what I want you to do. I said, I want you to take the dirt out every night. Five o'clock, empty the dirt out. Let's try to take their motivation away. And what we told them is if you find somebody doing it, you tell them, we'll put the dirt over here and on Tuesdays you can go through it yourself. Okay, well, I'm not trying to keep you from your little bit of, the little bit of money that you probably need. I want to do this. And so we're going through this. Last Tuesday, I kid you not, we came in there and somebody had put lock, their own locks on the dirt. We cut them off. What's my point? My point is we tend to be as human beings and as Americans like whoever this is pursuing the change that's mine. I'm entitled to it. Stay out of my way. And guys, the way you do, they'll do that is you have to decide what your desire is going to be. If you look at yourself and go, yeah, I'm just going about it. I get up every day and I try to feed myself and I try to get ahead and I try to do a better job at work so eventually I can have a better job and make more money. And you know, I want a nicer house and I want a nicer car and I want a retirement. And you're focused on all those things. Guys, the answer to that is to choose what your desire is going to be. Look at this verse here in Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 7. It says, Because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do His will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. Can you Have you said that? Have you said that to yourself or to God or to somebody else saying, I am determined that I want to do the desires of God. That I want to know the desires of God and I want to live to fulfill His will. You see guys, every one of us in this room is here because we have a faith or we're pursuing a faith, or we're interested in having a faith. The question is, how complete is that faith? How deep is that faith? Or do you want to do God's will? Or do you just want it to kind of help you fulfill your own desires? 
Okay? Second thing, second way that I can neutralize the power of God's Word in my life is I stay the same. I stay the same. I've already talked about um, Jehoiakim's direction for his life and the fact that he was following his own desires and it was, it was evident for his whole life. But look at this passage here in, in 2 Kings chapter 23 and verse 37. It says, And he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. You see, guys, not following the Lord and instead doing evil was a generational trait of Jehoiakim's family. I mean, not only was he not going to change, he wasn't going to change the family tradition. Even though his father did. Look at this passage in Jeremiah chapter 22 and verse 21. It's not in your notes. It says, I warned you when you felt secure, but you said, I will not listen. This has been your way from your youth. You have not obeyed me. See guys, if there's a litmus test for whether or not you're following the will of the Lord or whether you're pursuing your own desires, I believe an excellent litmus test is, am I changing? Am I the same today, the same man, the same woman today as I was a year ago? Do I have plans to be different (laughs) a year from now than I am right now? Do I have plans to be a better wife, a better husband, a better parent, a better grandparent today than what I was a year ago? You see, folks, here's the, here's the, here's the reality of the situation. You know, we read that passage and we go, and Jehoiakim did evil in the sight of the Lord the way his fathers had done. And we go, well, that was evil. You know, they were setting up altars to false gods. They were sacrificing to these gods. They had no concern for what the will of God is. Uh, that, a practice, though it's not mentioned specifically with Jehoiakim that I read was that they would actually sacrifice their children to these false gods. They thought it was going to get them some way. And it was just that despicable. Sexual immorality ran rampant. And you may look at yourself, well, I'm not evil. I never do that. Well, if you look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, Jesus tells us Another definition of evil. And in that passage, if you're, you're, most of you are probably familiar with it, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only him who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And he goes on to say, some of them are going to say to me in that day, didn't we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out evil spirits in your name, and they talk about all the good things they've done. And it says, Jesus is going to say, away from me, you evil doers. 
I never knew you. You see, guys, God does not only consider us evil if we're doing the bad stuff. He considers us evil by not knowing Him and not doing His will. And guys, I'm here to tell you that one of the ways you can check that, are you changing? Are you changing? Guys, look at this passage here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 18, it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is Spirit. Can you look at yourself and go, I'm being transformed. I'm becoming more like Jesus. And more importantly, guys, have you set that goal for yourself? You see, because that's the goal that God... You want to know God's will for your life? It's for you to be transformed. It's for you to be different than you are right now. Okay? It's for you to be more like Jesus tomorrow than you were today. That's what God desires for your life. And so I ask you, this is a self-examination question. Am I different or am I the same? Guys, it's a simple, simple matter. If you look at yourself and go, you know, I'm, I'm not. I don't try to change. I don't try to be different. You see, guys, that's going to affect the way you look at the Word of God. Because you'll look at the Word of God when you're in trouble and you need some comfort. Okay? When you feel unloved and you want to feel loved. You'll look at the Word of God in those situations. But when God has something for you to do that is going to require difficulty and pain and discomfort, you're not looking for those things. See, you're negating the power of the Word of God in your life. Anyway, third thing we want to talk about because I'm out of time. Third thing of how I can neutralize the power of God's Word in my life is I am distracted by life. Ooh. Here's this passage I was referencing early in Jeremiah 22. I'm going to beginning, begin reading with verse 13 and read down through verse 18. And this is directly about Jehoiakim. You can go back and check me on this. It says, Woe to him who builds his palace by unrighteousness, his upper rooms by injustice, making his own people work for nothing, not paying them for their labor. He says, I will build myself a great palace with spacious upper rooms. So he makes large windows in it panels it with cedar, and decorates it in red. Does it make you a king to have more and more cedar? 
Did not your father have food and drink? He did what was right and just, so all went well with him. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me? Declares the Lord. But your eyes and your heart are set only on dishonest gain, on shedding innocent blood, and on oppression and extortion. Therefore, this is what the Lord says about Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. Guys, I, I, I just want to bring something up real quick here. You know, we, we mentioned earlier about Matthew chapter 7, and, and he, where Jesus says, He's going to tell these people, Away from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. Okay? He's saying there's no relationship there. I didn't know you. You didn't know me. Verse 16 that I just read, I'll reread it. It says, He defended the cause of the poor and the needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me? Guys, I just want to emphasize something real quickly because I've seen this, I've seen greater all growing in this, and I want to pat us on the back, but I want to keep it before us as something. And I don't know if you caught it or not, but in all the passages, like the references I read here in Jeremiah and Isaiah 58, do you get the idea that God has a special place in his heart and a special concern for the poor and the needy? Is, is that not plain? You know, we need to be, we need, I just wanted to bring that up, guys. I just want us to be aware of it. Because it is so easy to be consumed with my life that I miss the needs of others. It's so easy to do that. And guys, it is just a, a very simple thing to be aware of and to do. Um, and I, I, I just want to make that point. But guys, very clearly Jehoiakim was distracted. He was, he was all about his own life. So when the Word of God came to him, he, he negated it. He invalidated it. He burned it. And guys, the question is... Where are you with this? You know, Luke chapter 8 and verse 14. If you know me at all, this is a passage that I have owned for years. I read this passage. This is where Jesus is telling the, the parable of the soils. And He talks about there being four different kinds of soil. And He's talking about our response to the Word of God. And He's describing the thorny soil in verse 14. And this is what He says. He said, "...the seed that fell among thorns..." stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. I was talking with the teachers, and I was going over a summary of this lesson this morning, and there was uh, three people in the room, three ladies. And when I brought this up, you know, you're looking at them across the table, looking in their eyes, and they're like, this is true. How often can you get so caught up in all the necessities of life 
that God's Word has no place in your life. That it's not growing and you're not changing because either you don't feel like you have the time and you feel like you have to do all these other things. And so guys, I ask as I'm closing out this this last point here, what dominates your thoughts? What do you spend the most time thinking about? Guys, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to God. I go, God, I hate that I have to give attention to life. You know, I hate that my business demands my attention. I'd rather just make money from it. But the truth of the matter is, it takes my attention. And there is a real tendency for me, like an alcoholic walking into a bar, to be consumed with my business. To let it dominate my thoughts and not to take real time out of my day to either look at what God's Word has to say, think about how I need to respond to God's Word, or to take real time and action to apply it and to be about His will. And so guys, as I, as I close out today, I'm just asking you, this, this may come across as a negative lesson, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to set us up. I'm trying to get us to look at ourselves and say, where am I at? What am I doing with God's Word? Because we're going to be spending the next four weeks looking at how we can get more out of God's Word. Next week, Mike is going to be talking about Josiah and how you can have a powerful life as opposed to a powerless life. As we close out the day, I just want to ask you to examine and to choose. As we close out, I ask you to think about, have I really set the direction of my life to do the will of God? And if your answer to that is no, I'm asking you to choose it. You want to avoid a powerless life, you decide you want to do the will of God. Let's pray. Father, it is amazing when I look at Your Word and when I decide that I'm going to do Your Word, that I'm going to live it. It's amazing the difference in my day, in my week. It's amazing the difference in my stress level. Father, that verse in Isaiah about setting my face like stone, I have written above my door. And I have decided that I do not want to waver from that being the direction of my life. But the truth of the matter is, Father, not every day since I put that got put up above my door has that been the case. Father, I want to pray right now for the Greater Alton Church. And Father, I ask You to touch our hearts, touch our minds, and Father, to move us. I'm not trying to make people feel guilty today, Father. I'm asking for people to examine themselves. 
Father, I believe that's the first step in responding to Your Word is examining ourselves and deciding either I want to begin to pursue the will of God and do the will of God in my life or I want to continue on with it. I want to get back on track. I want to do it more. Father, as Your servants, as followers of Jesus, we are here on this earth to do Your will, to do what pleases You, to be good and pleasing servants because we are doing Your will. Father, move us in that direction. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.